Hi, this is David Flower, senior pastor at Grantham Church, an intergenerational convergent third-way congregation with the Brethren in Christ U.S., and located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast and for following the sermons that I and many others preach at Grantham. This is a free podcast, and it'll always be that way, but if you'd like to give and help further the work we're doing for the kingdom, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you want to do that, you can do that by going to granthamchurch.org and clicking on the Giving tab. Whether you're a member of our church or you're listening as a parishioner, it's our greatest desire that you would encounter Jesus and be changed by the good news wherever you are. Anyway, God bless you, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. Last week, I told you at the end of the service, and then in the weekly email from the pastor, that this morning I would be sharing about the mission and vision work that our leadership has done this past year, and the plan for how you'll be invited into the strategic planning process later this summer and into the fall. So I'd like to do that today and begin by telling you that I'm very excited to share this message with you, and I hope that you're excited to hear it. I know that there's some who can't be with us this morning, but hopefully they're watching uh, via live stream or will watch this later on. As some of you will recall that it has been about a year and a half since I shared a message solely on our church's mission and vision. Uh, That was when our leadership had just begun having discussions about who we are, that is our identity, what we're about, that is our mission, and where we're going as a church, that is our our vision. And we did that right before 2020 happened to all of us. (laughs) A lot has happened since then, but if you think real hard back to the end of 2019, some of you will remember that I shared a Vision Sunday 2019 message called Canoeing the Mountains. You remember that? Canoeing the Mountains after the book title by the same name. Uh, Canoeing in the Mountains was written by Todd Bolsinger. Uh, he works for Fuller Seminary. He's a consultant and an author, uh, formerly a pastor. And uh, our own pastors in, in Susquehanna Conference had met with him for a, for a conference, and, and some of us had a dinner with Todd. And Todd's book is all about how to navigate the post-Christian world that we find ourselves in today. And he uses the illustration of Lewis and Clark. You remember the explorers, how they sought a waterway to the Pacific. Remember Thomas Jefferson commissioned them to do this. But instead of finding a waterway, they encountered the Rocky Mountains. So these uh, mariners had to become mountaineers. They had to rethink how to to explore and, and navigate the terrain that they found. So our increasingly post-Christian culture, Todd would say, is requiring new ways of thinking and of being and doing the church. Like this question, what does it look like to be the church in a culture that no longer privileges Christianity, where our faith is being pushed to the margins? Now, this is new for us, but for a good bit of the world, it is not. For the West, it's new, but for a good bit of the world, and certainly the Southern Hemisphere, this is not new. They've been living in the margins for some time. So that's a sermon in itself, the things that we can learn from other Christians around the world. But Bolsinger explicitly addressed this and said, how should leaders guide their churches and organizations through those changes? So when you hear canoeing the mountains, that's how do we navigate the many changes that we're seeing in society and culture? How do we be the church today? 
And of course, we are now seeing what was predicted in spring 2020 when COVID just started to spread across the the planet. A, A perfect storm in this country made up of the pandemic, of political polarization, and of racism and other social justice issues has accelerated a post-Christian America, and it has divided churches and denominations. From the decline in church attendance to the closing of churches all across the country, including several just in our own conference, in the Susquehanna Conference, to then seeing folks who grew up in right-wing fundamentalism leading the charge in their cynical efforts to endlessly, it seems, deconstruct the Christian faith, Some, as I have noticed, as I have come out of that that background, some thinking that adopting a radical leftist political worldview is the answer. I don't think that it is, but some think that. And to the outright repudiation of Judeo-Christian values, especially as it relates to human sexuality, it's obvious that America is changing rapidly. And we're not entirely sure what to do about that, or how faithful disciples should respond. So it's safe to say that we are still canoeing the mountains. That's the title of the sermon this morning. Very creative, right? Still canoeing the mountains. I hope that you'll see this message this morning as an invitation to see the bigger picture. I don't know if it's just how I work or if it's part of my calling, of the, maybe the prophet that's in your pastor, but I find it so helpful to see the bigger picture, to try to locate ourselves in human history, and specifically in the history of the church and what God is doing in His story. I think it's important for us to see that. We lose sight of the bigger picture, and we can't really determine our place in it. You see, our place in the story. So let's think about where we are in this moment in our history, and let's reflect on how we, with God's help, can respond as a church. Where has God been leading us? And where is the Spirit taking us now? Would you pray with me? Father, we open up our hearts to you We give all of the things that are burdening us and distracting us this morning, we give them to you. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would soften our hearts, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds for what you want to say to us. Lord, as Moses said to you when you called him to lead your people, He refused to go where you weren't going. And may we all be that way this morning. May we sense how you're leading, Lord, and may we go with you there. May we be excited and passionate about what you're calling us to do as individuals and as a church. Speak to us now, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you think back where I began this message, and you've heard me say this many times before, we are living in an exile of sorts. And you think about exile, we specifically in the church think about the biblical exiles, uh, specifically the exodus, uh, the wilderness wanderings of the people of God, 
and the purpose for that wandering. For Babylon, when Babylon came and and ransacked the temple, destroyed Jerusalem, and hauled off Jews to Babylon. And the best of them we can see in the book of Daniel as an example in the Old Testament. And they had to, first off, learn how did they end up in exile? I mean, what, what was the cause of that? And it's not something that came to them right away. I mean, sure, there were signs of it. Prophets had been telling them, if you don't straighten up and you don't live a certain way, there's certainly judgment that's going to come. Our enemies will, you know, take us off into a foreign land and subjugate us. But it really took some time and some, some pondering and some reflection on how it is that their story ended up there. And uh, so we see, we see that. We can hear that in the prophets and we can see that in, in these exile stories. The American church, the American church, some have said, is an exile. Now, why? Now, I'm sure we all could throw out some reasons why we think that that is the case and what is it that the American church has done wrong for us to end up in this place. I'm not going to be so concerned about that this morning. As I said, we all have ideas about that. But uh, I think in time, that will become more clear. As, as I said, the church is pushed to the margins. We will reflect back and think about what it is that the church was doing that didn't look like Jesus, that maybe didn't honor God, and that wasn't helpful to society and culture. But in the meantime, what we must do is develop cultural discernment and to learn to live in exile. In a post-Christian society, in a society that no longer shares our values and our, and our, our morals and our perspective on what it means to be a human being and where the future is going, we are constantly bombarded with, with liturgies of the world, right? And values that they're not consistent with the Christian faith. And so if we don't recognize those forces at work, we're just going to go right along with it. This is why I will in the future be calling us to be better discerners of culture, to really think through the ways in which the church is called to resist. If you think that any political party or movement today solely captures the kingdom of God, folks, you've got another thing coming. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world. And at times, we must resist if we are going to stay true to the gospel and be the people of God. Amen? So we need to discern. We need God to help us to discern. So if we're going to talk about mission and vision for the future, it's important that we recognize where we are and correctly interpret the signs. Signs that our world is changing, that we can't go back, back in the day of the, the blue laws when businesses closed down on Sunday and, and uh, the, the sporting events and the coaches respected your, your, your value in prioritizing the church. doesn't do that anymore. And so you have to decide how you're going to resist or not resist. So we can't go back and we need to see the signs that, signs that we need God to teach us how to live on the margin. Signs that God is present with us despite our challenges in the world and in the church today. Now, that doesn't mean everyone needs to be a prophet, but we should certainly listen to those who are called to be prophets and help us to see the bigger picture, to call us back to God. But it does mean that we all need to understand our place and time. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 54 through 56. Jesus said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, 
Immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it that you don't know how to interpret this present time? And of course, for Jesus, he is talking about himself, him bringing the kingdom of God, what God is doing in, in, through, in and through his ministry, and people don't see it. But I really think that this can apply for every age. Uh, you know, Jesus says, do you see the signs? Do you, do you see what's going on and where you fit in the picture? Can't you see? If you can't see, how can you know where you're going? If you can't see, how are you going to join God in what he's doing? Throughout the scriptures, we see that vision is necessary for God's people to follow his spirit into his good future. And probably the most well-known verse related to vision is this one from Proverbs 29, verse 18. Some of you learned it this way. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And what does that mean exactly? Well, I like how Eugene Peterson translated it in his message Bible. He said, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Listen to that, brothers and sisters. Vision involves seeing the signs and interpreting what is going on around you and how God is at work, how his spirit is moving in the world and in our church. Where is he taking us? What is he trying to teach us? What do we need to repent of, to heal from, to change our thinking about, to prepare us for so he can move us forward into his good future, as we said. It's important that we ask these questions and be intentional with our response to the Spirit's leading. And as I said, it's important that we see the bigger picture and the larger narrative that is God's story to know our place in it and what we ought to be doing, particularly here at Grantham. Right, we've said this many times that we're part of the larger body of Christ all over the world, but the way in which God has called us to live out the eternal purpose is through local congregations, which is why it's so important for us to be committed to that. Now, in my Vision Sunday 2019 message, I shared a bit about the story of Grantham Church. Raise your hand if you remember me sharing a little bit of this. You may recall from this image that pictures are helpful. That's why I put that up there. And I, and I began this story by telling of the founding of Grantham Church alongside Messiah College in 1909. And we then looked at the various stages of church development and growth throughout our history. A picture there sort of capturing each one of those seasons and those eras. And if you missed that, I'm not going to share all of that again today, but I'll encourage you to go back and listen to that message. You can find that on our website, or uh, you can just pick up a free copy of Morris Sider's book, The Centennial History of Grantham Church. I felt a little odd. I told Pastor Davis this morning about putting this where the Bible normally sits. But anyways, just a joke. All right. This history ends with 2009, and of course, a lot has happened in the last 20 years or so. And it's been more than 10 years after Morris wrote his book. And so I'd like us to think about 
that to, to better grasp where we are today, what has happened in the last 20 years, specifically the last 10. But if you think about this, and again, I've been here five years, not as long as some of you have been here 30, 40, even more years than that. But, you know, sometimes an outsider who comes in to become a part of you has some insight and perspectives that we need to listen to. Even folks maybe sitting next to you this morning, things that they're seeing that maybe you don't see. So this is, of course, coming from my perspective, but you've heard me share some of these things before. If you think carefully about it, maybe this will resonate with you. Yeah, hmm, that makes sense. In 1998, the church moved off campus and from what I can tell, struggled to adjust. You know, we were a church on campus. Now what does it mean to be a church technically off campus? To be a church of the college, but also a church of the community. And how should the church change in a changing world? Let's just think about how quickly things have changed in the last 20 years. When, when this room was built, just as an example, these screens weren't up here. Now, whoever did the carpenter work, A+, a plus, good work, right? You can't even tell. It looks like it was just a, a, a part of this room. But that's how quickly things have changed. An outside consultant, some of us don't know this, but this is true from, from what I have learned. An outside consultant was brought in to help around this time, but that work stopped in 2009. And as many of you know, internal strife followed for a few years, and then the healing and the rebuilding began. But despite, listen to this, but despite the conflict and the challenges, even those we experienced in 2020, I still believe, as I did in 2019, that God has been preparing the foundations, inching us closer to a renewed sense of identity, of mission, and vision, and positioning us to make a greater gospel impact alongside other churches in our region. And again, I invite you to see the larger story and not focus on the bumps along the way. Folks, all churches experience the bumps and the bruises. And so let's think about this. Just as you would the tough places in your marriage or the tough places in any relationship that you value, we need to put them into perspective and trust that God can bring good out of those things. If we will press on, if we will stay committed, if we'll do our part, if we'll invest, if we'll be hopeful, and love our way through it. Amen? Amen? All right, just make sure you're with me. So knowing all of these things, our past, but also our changing culture, it should make sense why we've emphasized certain values and practices that not only address needs in our own congregation, but are also a response to the polarized and increasingly secular culture around us and how we're called to be the church for such a time as this. And so we've said these things. At Grantham Church, we are intergenerational. Now you'll notice some of these things, they, they may describe us, but they're also aspirations, things that we want to live into. So we say we're intergenerational. Children, youth, adults, and seniors worshiping together. Do you know that there are some churches that say we are going to target 20 and 30-year-olds? And we are saying at Grantham Church, we're not going to do that. Now, blessings on them, but that's not our calling. 
Our calling is to be intergenerational and to do things together. Children, youth, and adults, senior adults, all of us together. We've also said we're going to be convergent. We're not going to create worship services where, oh, you prefer that style of worship? Come to this service. We say we are going to put together the traditional, the ancient, with the modern and the contemporary, and we're going to try to do that well. And we're not going to separate ourselves out according to styles and preferences. So think about that, how we're trying to unify each other around those things. And also with being third way. We say to be third way is to address injustice without mixing the gospel with partisan politics. Now, folks, that's hard. In fact, one person once said, well, good luck with that because you're going to make enemies on both sides. And it's happened. (laughs) I've seen it. And still to this day, it kills me. I mean, I, I can't be more vocal about how much I detest partisan politics and how broken I think our system is. But as soon as I start talking about this issue or that issue, somebody tags me to be in one of those categories. And folks, I'm intentionally saying, I'm not choosing a middle mushy way. I'm trying to choose the Jesus way that says the gospel cannot be contained in any of those boxes. Folks, Jesus blows our boxes up. So... How many churches are doing this? How many churches are being intentional about that? Right, remember the disciples that Jesus chose. He chose tax collectors, he chose fishermen, he chose zealots. All of these folks wanted to kill each other. And Jesus said, follow me. So, we try to keep everybody at the table by being third way. And of course, we're making disciples because that's our great commission. That's what Jesus told us to do. And for folks to follow Jesus, not just to follow the brethren in Christ way, but to look at Jesus and emulate his life. And we do this by working the spaces and the triangles. So we've used two images to further this understanding. You've seen them the last couple of weeks. The public space, the social space, the personal space, the intimate space. We're called to work all these spaces. Jesus did it. And sociologically, it makes true. This is how we're shaped. This is how we're formed. This is why you can't be a fully functioning, healthy disciple just by coming to church on Sunday morning in the public space. We're called to go deeper with the Lord in the social space, like through learning communities, through missional communities, joining up with efforts of mission and ministry that we're doing through our congregation and in personal space where we can actually go below the surface. You know, you know what I'm talking about? We're not just talking about surface stuff, surface sort of fellowship, but you're actually breaking through where people cry, where people are vulnerable, where people say, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what God is saying to me. This is how I'm struggling to live out my faith, that kind of space. This is the space that Jesus is calling us into, as well as the intimate space, which we plan, uh, Pastor Melissa will tell you, in time we plan to do more with, create some ministries around this, where we can form deep friendships and have accountability. And then we've also used this image, the triangle of spiritual balance and health, where individualistic um, sort of American Christianity wants to say, it's just about me and my relationship with God. We say, well, it is about you and your relationship with God. That is the up, but it's also about the in. That's part of that triangle. It's about investing uh, in your relationship with Christ as well as with other Christians who are on this journey together through worship, service, accountability, through the study of the scriptures, so forth and so on. And then there is that out piece. As we said, what was it, last week? All the weeks jumbled together, right? Gather, grow, give, and go. That part has to be a part of that routine and rhythm 
weekly for us to actually be doing the things that God has called us to do, to go out to the world, to be sent into the world, to live out our faith on mission. We saw that last Sunday. So we go out to the world, we live out the gospel because that's what disciples do. And it's why the church exists in the first place. That's what uh, one of my favorite theologians, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said in his classic book, Life Together. He said this, the church is the church only when it exists for others. Now think about that for a moment. The church is the church only when it exists for others. And so when 2020 happened, church leadership decided that we would use the challenges that we faced to recalibrate Think of the GPS, recalibrating, does it still do that? <laughs> to recalibrate and return to the work that had begun over 10 years ago. We decided not to sit on our hands and waste the opportunity that a global pandemic presented us with. I know that's a strange way to put that, but it has. Mainly, it gave us time to do it. In a major upheaval of normal life, And we said, this is just like God to use something maybe the enemy meant for evil for good. And that's what our leadership decided to do. Therefore, your pastoral staff and church board, there's a picture of the church board there, asked Jim Rowell, many of you know this, the church consultant that we hired to come in and to help us with staff challenges in March 2020 and to also help us begin the process of finally getting clarity on who we are what we're about, identity, mission, and where we're going, our vision as a congregation. As Brian Zwacker, our board chair, shared with you at the spring congregational conversation, Jim did not create any of the things that I'm about to share with you. He simply guided your leaders through the process to a place where we are ready to invest and invite the rest of the church family to help us finalize the vision and strategic planning portion. In other words, Your leaders have done the hard work that you've called them to do in their roles after many hours, many hours of meetings this past year. And now we are sharing that work with you and inviting you to participate in the remaining work. So I wanna encourage you to think about what you're going to see here as the scaffolding or the framework for the vision and the strategic planning that we'll be working on this summer and completing this fall with your help. What we hope to do is to have this done and approved at Congregational Council November 14th and then start implementing it in January of 2022. You ready to see it? Let's start with the mission statement. Our mission says what we're about. So what are we about? Grantham Church disciples people in Christ, the scriptures, and the Spirit's power to radically love our neighbors and our world. Now think about this, that seems pretty generic. Well, you know, all churches should share a mission like this to make disciples, but think more carefully about these words. We are all about discipling people in Christ, to follow Jesus, not to follow me, Not to follow even our denomination, but to follow Christ. 
and to disciple people in the Scriptures. If we're going to be able to be cultural discerners, we need to know what the Scriptures say and how to interpret them together as a church, how to interpret them wisely, how to interpret them through a Christocentric lens and to live that out, as well as the Spirit's power because without the Holy Spirit, we can't do anything, right? We can't grow. We can't give and we can't go without the Spirit's power to love our neighbors radically and to love our world. And to sum that up, and you've heard me say this, and I think it's a great summation of the rest of our vision as well that you're about to see, we want to be known that we're about leading people to the God who looks like Jesus. Now, why do, why do I say that? You know, one author said, what you think of when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Your portrait of God. What you think about, when you think about God, is the most important thing about you because it's going to steer your faith, it's going to shape your life. When you see people who claim to be Christians living a certain way, what are they doing? They are living out the portrait of the God that they worship. We all do it. And so we want to say that Jesus shows us what God is like, what God has always been like. We've not always known this, but thank God through the incarnation, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, we know now. And we want to tell other people about this God. We want to lead other people to the God who looks like Jesus. And now here are five words that we believe best describe what the Spirit has called us to be about and to live into at Grantham in the years to come. And I'll introduce these to you and just say a few brief words about each one. The first word is, as you might expect, disciple. Disciple. That is, we are committed to spiritual formation and making disciples by working the spaces through public worship, through learning communities, through sermon-based small groups and intimate friendships and accountability groups. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. This is first and it is at the heart of what God has called us to do as a church, to disciple. The second word is serve. We want to help our members understand their spiritual gifts, their talents, and skills as followers of Jesus and identifying corresponding service opportunities in the church and in the broader community. As we said last week, the, the purpose of the leaders, right, is to equip and inspire and empower us to do ministry together because we're called to serve. The third word is welcome. We warmly welcome all who enter our doors actively participate in meeting the needs of our local community and generously support our ministry partners in the U.S. and around the world. We want to be a welcoming church. We, we want to, folks to know in our community that everyone is welcome at the table. And for all of us, Jesus calls us as we are. But look, he loves us too much to leave us that way. In his grace, he receives us, but then he wants to change us. And we're all on that journey together. We're made in God's image, but broken and not as we should be. And so we say that as we come to the Lord to change us. As we welcome people, Lord, change us. Make us more into who you've called us to be. And then the fourth word is unify. 
Now, I was talking a little bit about this with the intergenerational and the convergent and third way. We promote and pursue diversity in our leadership. We've tried to even do that as we've hired this past, this past six months or so. To, to pursue diversity in our leadership, but also in our congregation, to embrace convergent worship, and to model third-way unity that bridges the divides of political and theological differences. Folks, get this vision. Capture that in your mind. See a church that welcomes people from different backgrounds, from different theological and political opinions, and says, but you know what? The one thing that we have in common that's a stronger bond than all of those other identity-forming, life-forming things is Jesus Christ. We confess that, that Jesus shows us what God is like, what God has always been like, and that our bond at the communion table is stronger than any bonds and allegiances in the world. Amen? This is at the heart of our mission and vision. And lastly, the fifth word is witness. There's that go piece, right? We equip and we empower our members to share their faith with those who are spiritually curious. Mm -hmm, I like that. Spiritually curious and invite people to join us in worship and lead people to the God who looks like Jesus. Now think about that church. Disciple, serve, welcome, unify, and witness. Leading people to the God who looks like Jesus. Again, we see this as the scaffolding or the framework of our mission and vision. And now we want you to help us to discern what this looks like lived out through the ministries of our church. What should we be doing? And how do we bless our community as we join with what God is doing through other churches and ministries and ministry partners in our area? Because while it's true that we have a unique calling as a Brethren in Christ church to be an intergenerational, convergent, and third-way congregation, we believe that we are also part of the larger body of Christ in our region. We are not competing with these other churches. We are partners with them, and that no single church can meet the needs of Cumberland Valley. We say that, that together we can reach our region for the gospel of Jesus Christ and bring more of the kingdom that looks like Jesus. And so here's what we're inviting you to do in the coming weeks. First, pray about what your church leadership in this past year has done and that you see captured in this graphic. If you go to granthamchurch.org forward slash vision, you can reflect on this at home and begin to imagine what each of these might look like at Grantham Church in the next few years. What would it look like if we led others to the God who looks like Jesus by doing these things well? What sort of things ought we be doing to disciple, serve, welcome, unify, and witness? Think of it that way. And secondly, we want you to know that we'll be reaching out to our ministry commissions as well as other ministry leaders and volunteers in the church throughout the rest of the summer to get your input on specific steps that can help us move forward with this mission, with this mission and ultimately help us develop the vision for where we want to be in the next five years. Church, your leadership is excited about these things. 
We believe that God, through this past year, despite all of the challenges, despite the curveballs that we've, we've been swinging at, folks, God is at work. We believe that God is giving us clarity and he's showing us what our calling is as a congregation and we are inviting you to be a part of it, to contribute and to help us envision the future together. And finally, I'd like us to recite a passage of scripture that we read aloud back in 2019. This is Paul in Ephesians chapter three. You know, notice in brackets, that I inserted instead of church, I just included Grantham Church because I think this applies to us and I want us to say it that way. And let's do this. As we recite this verse together, let's make this our prayer. This will be our closing prayer for this message. Would you stand with me as we recite this together? Say this with me. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within Grantham Church to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.